Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. And we're ready to go for a new week. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us, letting us be part of your day. And we hope that you had a very good weekend. Some pretty chilly weather across uh, the Midwest over the weekend. We've got the complete weather picture from DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson, what kind of harvest weather we have this week ahead coming up. Also today, we'll be talking with the president of the National Association of Conservation Districts. Tim Palmer will be joining us, an update on conservation programs, what are the challenges still ahead, especially with COVID-19 and the um, Natural Resources Conservation Service still trying to fill vacant positions, how Local conservation districts have stepped in to help. And we'll talk markets and harvest with Matt Bennett from Illinois with agmarket.net. All coming up on today's program. But we're happy to have back with us Sarah Wyant, editor and president of AgriPulse Communications, to kick things off for today and for the week. Sarah, good to talk with you. Uh, Any news at all on where we're at uh, uh, on this next COVID aid package? Are they any closer? Good morning, Mike. It's always great to be with you. And we understand that talks are still continuing, even though the House is officially on recess now. They did approve a package, but uh, they are not at the same level of funding that the Senate is willing to approve. So uh, what we've seen is uh, Speaker Pelosi, who was on Face the Nation, saying that the negotiators are still making progress. As you know, uh, she was speaking to Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin, uh, prior to the weekend. And then President Trump, even though he's in uh, Walter Reed, has also been tweeting about the need to get a stimulus done. So I think there's a lot of people leaning in. It's just the matter of the, the top-level dollar amount. It seems to be still very contentious. And, of course, part of that is what is all going to be funded? Is it going to be $600 for additional unemployment benefits or a higher number of things like that. But the good news is uh, talks are still continuing and Speaker Pelosi has reserved the right to bring the House back again. Um, and the Senate is technically not going to be showing up in person because of the coronavirus outbreaks with at least three senators, uh, but they will be holding hearings virtually. So I, I do think there's a, a much better chance now than what we thought last week. As you said, uh, the key is they're still talking, so that that offers hope there. Do we do we know yet? Uh, and I know we don't know the exact amounts or details for the ag portion of it, but are they leaning more to just turning that over to USDA to use at their discretion, or more uh, guidance, more strings attached, and more direct uh, input on how it's to be used? Well, Democrats, uh, many of them certainly want to have limits. As we've reported in the past, you know, there was a concern that USDA was just turning it kind of into a slush fund. Uh, those are uh, one of the senator's comments, not not my description of it. But um, there is concern in this political year, divisible by four. There's a lot on the money. Uh, and so there was a real push to have more restrictions. But there's also a similar push back from 
people like Chairman Roberts and others who just said, you know, USDA needs to have that flexibility. Having said that, I think there'll be some provisions in this next package that could do some things that um, were not included in the past, perhaps something for ethanol plants and some other provisions that are targeted to specific sectors. Sarah, I want to get your thoughts on this because I know you, you, you're very much in touch uh, on issues like this. Um, we remember four years ago, that presidential election, many farmers and ranchers, many in rural America said one of their key issues in deciding how they would vote was the selection of judges, especially Supreme Court justices. And here we have a vacancy going into this election now. Is it still top of the list or near the top of the list for a lot of voters in rural America, do you think? I do think it is still a very key concern. And one of the things that has been a priority, certainly for not only the president, but for Leader McConnell, is to make sure that no matter what, they will try to get Amy Coney Barrett approved. And it's going to be tough because they're not going to have judiciary hearings until starting on October 12th. And then they need to have all of those senators healthy in order to make sure they can actually vote in person. And so it's going to be something that everybody is going to be watching very carefully to see if they can get the uh, confirmation through during this very contentious time period uh, and before the November elections. So many unknowns going into this election. Of course, one of the things we watch closely is uh, how rural America goes, and I think it'll be interesting. It was such a strong part, a big part of President Trump's election four years ago. How will rural America go this year? Well, I think the Democrats have done a really good job of figuring that they need rural America, and I think more farmers are being uh, converted to support Joe Biden for a variety of reasons. But as you've seen from several different polls, including ours uh, earlier this year, there's still a majority of farmers and ranchers who will support this president. The, the question is how many of their rural brethren will go along. And I think that's still very much up in the air. There's been so many unprecedented things that have happened with COVID and our farm economy tanking uh, because of the tariffs. We're starting to see some improvement now that's going into fall. But, uh, gosh, Mike, it's just been such a tough year. And, and there, I think there will be more people that might have voted for the president in 2016 who are now thinking, well, not so sure. At the end of the day, it's going to come down to more than just the Supreme Court, though. They're going to look at how are they going to be regulated, uh, what kinds of restrictions, what kind of taxes. I think there's a portfolio of questions that people will have on their minds as they go into the voting booth or vote absentee this year. Yeah, it's going to be very, very interesting for sure. Well, Sarah, it's good to talk with you again. Good to have you back. I know you're busy and a lot of things going on. We appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mike. My pleasure. Sarah Wyant, editor and president of AgriPulse Communications. Well, harvest weather, what's ahead this week? Sounds like the, some parts of the Midwest, at least, will have some very good harvest weather. We'll get a complete picture from DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson, not only for the weather here in the U.S., but we're keeping a close watch on other key production areas, such as South America, where it's planting time. We'll get a, the latest on that as well. So stay with us as we kick off a new week. Bryce Anderson, DTM Meteorologist, joins us next on AOA.
Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. There's a reason more than a billion feet of ADS farm tile lies beneath America's heartland. It's simple. We build trust. Since 1966, farmers and their families have trusted ADS products to improve yields and create longer growing seasons. From lift stations to water control structures, ADS Agriculture has everything you need for total ag water management solutions. For everyone out there feeding the world, we wish you all a safe and happy harvest. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, we're talking with Jeff Cooper, President and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. We've had the introduction now of the Next Generation Fuels Act, basically raising the octane level requirements in our fuel. If passed, would it be a game changer? Mike, it would be a huge deal for the ethanol industry if this bill were to become law because it it establishes a much higher minimum octane content for gasoline, and it requires that that octane boost come from low-carbon sources. Well, you look around, there really aren't many uh, octane boosters that can boost octane that much and reduce carbon emissions at the same time. Ethanol is really the only game in town when it comes to providing both of those properties. So, yes, this could be a, a, a game changer uh, in terms of you know what the next generation or the next chapter of, of transportation fuels policy looks like. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS as we discuss how cooperatives support farmers and ranchers and build strong communities. Each week, we'll chat with voices from throughout the cooperative system, from global market access to local expertise. We'll explore how co-op ownership means you own a world of opportunities. Tune in on Tuesdays or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. The Home Service Club sponsors this paid advertisement. Attention homeowners, broken AC, $4,600. Water heater, $1,500. Fridge on the fritz, $1,000. You need home warranty coverage from the Home Service Club. For around a dollar a day, if any of your covered appliances and systems break down, HSC will either do the repair or replace them. HSC has over 15,000 pre-screened, highly rated technicians with the fastest response time in the industry. HSC provides coverage for up to 47 different appliances and systems in your home. Call for a free, no-obligation quote from a trusted HSE service specialist about a home warranty for your entire home, all backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. 800-434-5301. Call now and get your first month free, plus $75 off your first year. 800-434-5301. 800-434-5301. That's 800-434-5301. 800-434-5301. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, time to talk weather with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Bryce, good to have you back. A little frosty in places this morning. Yeah, it was, Mike. Uh, welcome to October. Uh, with the with the uh, occurrence of frost, uh, there was some frost in parts of the northern and uh, the central uh, plains areas during the last uh, week or so. That cold front slid eastward. 
now catching uh, the Mississippi Valley through the Ohio Valley, the Great Lakes. I don't think we're seeing a lot of uh, real adverse impact on crop conditions, maybe some in the immediate Great Lakes because uh, there was a, uh, a slower developing crop in uh, places like uh, the Thumb uh, region of uh, Michigan, for example. But uh, overall, I don't think there's going to be a real big impact uh, from this colder pattern, and uh, it's not going to be a lasting feature. Uh, we're going to see a lot of above-normal temperatures during this week, particularly in the plains, and uh, the, like I say, this uh, colder shot is uh, just uh, sort of a little phase that uh, we got through here in the first full week of October. So it looks like we're shaping up for a pretty good harvest week. Oh, I think so. I mean, uh, we're already uh, well into harvest uh, uh, progress uh, already with what we've got going. Uh, harvest is likely to uh, show up in uh, a completion rate of 25 to maybe 27% on corn this afternoon, soybeans anywhere from 37 to 39%, approaching 40% possibly. So there's obviously been a, a, a very good start. And uh, this week, it's just going to stay mainly on the dry side. There may be some areas of uh, showers that develop over uh, the far northern plains, uh, far northern Midwest during the next uh, 24 hours, but I don't think that's going to uh, complicate things very much. Uh, we've got a lot of uh, moisture in the Gulf of Mexico being tied up with all the tropical activity that's going on. Uh, so for the interior uh, crop areas, uh, staying on the warm side, staying on the dry side, and uh, obviously very favorable for continued progress. And does that continue throughout October? What, what's your longer forecast? It, uh, it pretty much does as far as uh, the, the uh, central uh, uh, crop areas, you know, the Midwest Plains uh, into the uh, Great Lakes and uh, the Northern Plains. Uh, this pattern is not going to show a, a lot of real change. Uh, especially, you know, kind of enhanced now by the, like I say, the continued uh, energy that we're seeing in the, in the tropics, just uh, tying up any moisture out of the Gulf of Mexico. There's going to be uh, a cold front um, form uh, out of the Canadian prairies and then slide through the north-central U.S. during the next uh, week to uh, 10 days. And uh, that's going to bring some areas of uh, shower, maybe thundershower action during the first part of next week. Uh, but uh, rainfall totals are not looking very heavy. And uh, so for, for harvest concerns, uh, this is a good forecast. And obviously a lot different than a year ago when, you know, when there, there was so much uh, of a challenge in, in getting crops out of the field. You know, we're not looking at that. So that tropical disturbance as it is now uh, is not going to send rain to the Midwest, at least for the foreseeable future, is actually kind of blocking moisture. Well, yeah, everything is, is tied up. I mean, there's there's two tropical systems uh, showing up. Uh, one uh, is called Gamma. The other one is Delta. Uh, with those two systems uh, interacting uh, with the Gulf of Mexico, you know, the, the moisture just kind of gets, uh, uh, gets dominated by uh, the the uh, formation of the tropical systems. The Delta uh, tropical storm is uh, scheduled or is, uh, pro is uh, projected to track across the Gulf of Mexico, making landfall during the next week. 
in the uh, Gulf Coast and then bringing very heavy rain into the uh, southern delta into the southeast. Now, that's where problems could be very notable with heavy rainfall. Uh, there still is uh, you know, a lot of crop activity that needs to be done. Uh, you've got producers who are uh, taking care of finishing row crop harvest for grain. They're uh, wanting to harvest cotton. They're digging peanuts, <laughs> doing a lot of different things. And uh, there, there could be some crop damage uh, from very heavy rains in Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, maybe even South Carolina, uh, northern Florida, Florida Panhandle. So uh, there, there's where the damage, I think, or the potential for uh, the heavy rain impact is going to be the greatest. Mm-hmm. But as you said, for most of the Midwest, the weather, harvest weather is going to be good. What about planting weather in South America? How's that looking? It's looking better as far as uh, soil moisture uh, during the next week in uh, Mato Grosso, Brazil. Uh, the the um, forecast uh, is pretty dry through the next five days. But in the uh, seven to ten day period, uh, there are more showers that uh, form in central Brazil. And in fact, Mato Grosso could get the rainfall totals approaching that uh, threshold uh, to uh, indicate the beginning of the rainy season. And uh, that threshold is right around uh, an inch and a quarter, basically, in uh, central uh, Brazil. So if that develops, uh, that would signal the onset of the rainy season. Uh, starting to uh, bring the soil moisture, get the planting going. Uh, planting is only 1.5% done in Brazil, so there's a lot to go. And uh, I think that would uh, offer more of an incentive you know, from that standpoint. So it does look like the next seven days are going to be better for the uh, Brazil situation. So is everything you just, uh, just explained to us, is that fitting into the La Nina pattern? A lot of it is. Um, uh, La Nina... Is a, is a later uh, de- a later developing uh, feature for the central Brazil rainy season. So we've got that going on. The average date is in late September, and we're starting to approach mid-October already, or uh, certainly the first 10 days of October. So we've got that happening. And then uh, this uh, drier signal in the Midwest, the enhanced tropical activity, uh, that's all uh, a La Nina effect and then of course the southern plains are staying very dry very warm and uh, that's likely to continue uh, for the balance of the fall season so all of that is in line with la nina and uh, the la nina indications both on the temperature side in the pacific and on the barometer study that the australian meteorological bureau does are continuing to show the uh the uh, not only development, but the presence now of La Nina in how the Pacific is uh, acting and uh, and starting to uh, show its impact. And finally, Bryce, uh, let's look at some of the wheat-producing areas around the world uh, because obviously that's going to affect wheat production and, and, and wheat markets. So what are you seeing in some of those key areas? Well, let's start in uh, Russia because... Uh, you know, one of the uh, largest wheat exporting uh, countries anymore. South Russia is dry, and they're likely to stay dry in the next week. So, uh, you know, South Russia is in the same situation as the southern U.S. plains in terms of being dry, and uh, that's not looking good for the winter wheat uh, acreage uh, prospects or for development in uh, South Russia. Australia uh, has uh, uh, certainly better moisture than they had a year ago, 
Southeast Australia especially is going to get continued rains over the next seven days. Argentina's weak country had some kind of off and on showers the last week, but is definitely turning drier in the next week over all of central Argentina. And then in Europe, they've had a wetter pattern lately, and it may have actually been a little bit too wet. There have been some parts of uh, Italy, I believe, that have flooded quite a bit. So there may be, a, may be actually uh, some uh, uh, areas in, in Europe, so wheat country, that have gotten too much rain here lately to really uh, offer a, a uh, favorable uh, early development for the next winter wheat crop in Europe. And back in the U.S., any relief, weather help uh, for the folks out west where those wildfires have been going? Unfortunately not. The one thing that I'm hoping uh, does not happen is that the uh, Santa Ana winds in California don't pick up. But uh, there's, there's uh, going to be just a marginal uh, chance for rainfall in central California in the next week. Now, in the northwest, um, far northern California into the Pacific Northwest are going to see some uh, better chances for rain. Uh, so that part of the uh, that part of the far west uh, may may have things start to calm down a little bit in the fire situation there. And uh, as far as uh, offering uh, maybe uh, maybe a little bit more uh, of a uh, of a mediation uh, type of weather pattern, the boy central California is just uh, is just uh, continuing to uh, to have very difficult and dangerous conditions. Been a rough, rough stretch for them, for sure. Rice, thanks a lot. Appreciate the update. Great to talk to you, Mike. Thank you. DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Up next, we talk conservation programs with the president of the National Association of Conservation Districts. Stay with us on AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. Seed corn companies love to talk about characteristics, maturity, emergence, vigor. Those things are important, but at FS Envision, we've developed corn with some extra characteristics, like attitude, like a fighter's will to win, like the spirit to persevere, because in the end, those are the traits that get it done. Get Envision in the fight for you. Talk to your local FS crop specialist today. FS Envision. Never settle. There's a reason more than a billion feet of ADS farm tile lies beneath America's heartland. It's simple. We build trust. Since 1966, farmers and their families have trusted ADS products to improve yields and create longer growing seasons. From lift stations to water control structures, ADS Agriculture has everything you need for total ag water management solutions. For everyone out there feeding the world, we wish you all a safe and happy harvest. Time now for a market update here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Wheat futures leading the way higher on this Monday. U.S. and world wheat futures rising on the prospect of another couple of weeks of below normal rainfall for the winter wheat areas of European Russia. Southwest Russia could see a few drops of rain, but totals will be well below normal. The market, accordingly, adding some weather premium, according to the wire talk. 
Palm oil ended the Asian trading session higher, recovering from a broad downturn in late September after prices hit a multi-month high. Soybean oil prices trending higher on this Monday. Gasoline prices surging more than 6% as fuel data showing a surge in demand and local traffic reporters in places such as Dallas saying that rush hour traffic is returning to normal. That according to GasBuddy.com data. In soybean futures, new crop November down two at ten eighteen and three quarters. January down two and a quarter at ten twenty-two and a half. Soybean oil trending twenty-eight to forty-seven points higher. In corn futures, December down a quarter of a cent, near unchanged, three seventy-nine and a half. March steady at three eighty-nine and a quarter. We'll get updated numbers from USDA on harvest progress later this afternoon. Chicago wheat December up seven and a half at five eighty and three quarters. Kansas City wheat ten to eleven cents higher. Minneapolis spring wheat December up a penny and a quarter at five thirty three. Live cattle futures trending fifty to seventy seven cents higher. Forty two to eighty cents higher in feeder cattle. Lean hog futures December and the back months steady to forty cents higher. On Wall Street, the Dow up three hundred eleven points. You're listening to AOA. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. I can't get my computer to work. Let me help you with that. How'd you do that? I just got techie with Geeks On Site. Our geeks literally come on site. No need to stop what you're doing or block off time. We come to your home, office, or wherever you are. And we don't just fix whatever computer issues you might be having. We explain and teach you along the way so you can feel empowered and then help others at home or in your office. Better yet, don't have time for tech support to come to you? Let us remote into your desktop or laptop, and one of our geeks will instantly walk you through. We offer affordable prices on our remote services and IT support. You and those in your office will never have to wait hours to have your technical questions answered. Get your free computer diagnosis today with your very own geek. Get started now and we'll help you instantly. Call 866-967-3879. 866-967-3879. That's 866-967-3879. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Always good to welcome back the president of the National Association of Conservation Districts to our program. Tim Palmer joins us now. Tim, thanks for being with us. Well, thanks for taking the time this morning, Mike. All right, so let's talk conservation programs. How have they been impacted by COVID? Well, you know, we've had to kind of change our uh, our way that we work with producers. Uh, the, the NRCS, our federal agency, uh, had restrictions that went in uh, uh, early on back in March about uh, social distancing. Uh, we've still been able to serve our uh, customers, uh, but maybe one-on-one with appointments at the office and, and taking care of that. Uh, we can go to the field, but the, but, uh, uh, the technicians can only ride one to a pickup. If there's more than one going, they have to take two vehicles. So it's been a, it's been a little bit of a struggle to, uh, to, uh, to coordinate uh, the work effort, but it's been going on, uh, uh, and we're really satisfied with, uh, with the amount of work that's been done this summer. The acting chief of the Natural Resources Conservation Service has been uh, testifying about 
they're hiring and filling positions, saying they're on an upward track, but uh, upward track, but uh, they're still short-staffed, right? How how has that impacted uh, different projects out across the country, and how have local conservation districts been able to uh, step in and help out? Well, you know, Mike, uh, there's been a uh, there's been a lot of retirements, a lot of. Uh, 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 knowledge has left the, the agency over the past couple of years, past few years, any, uh, even. And, and uh, as a, as the demand for, for technical assistance uh, has has been steady or even increased, but the putting new people on that NRCS staff's been difficult. There's a, there's a lot of a hiring process to go through at the federal level, and and uh, we've been trying to make uh, take up some of the slack with our state and district uh, employees. Uh, across the country, uh, NACD's had some TA grants that have allowed a lot of that work to be done. Uh, some training's gone on with uh, with uh, through the NRCS boot camp up until March, anyway, and and so that's uh, that's bringing on a new crop of uh, of uh, technicians. We're talking with Tim Palmer, president of the National Association of Conservation Districts. Tim, what's what's the major focus right now? Obviously, it's fall, it's harvest time, it's busy time. But from a conservation perspective, what what's the main focus right now? Well, you know, the, the after the crops are out in in the Midwest, especially, there's going to be a opportunity there to uh, uh, to put in some conservation practices. Working all summer, making sure that the the CRP conservation plans, the the seeding plans, the 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 structures that needed to be engineered and and ready to be laid out after harvest, uh, worked to that point. And so there was a, there was a lot of a lot of book work, a lot of uh, desktop work that had to happen to to get to this point. But they're going to be ready for the seedings to start on the CRP and in uh, this fall and 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 uh, keep those dozers and and scrapers and stuff running, building those conservation practices you've we've talked about staffing what else do you need i mean there's always a great need there's more work than you have uh, funding or people to get done when it comes to conservation but what are some of the biggest needs that you have right now uh, being able to get these projects done just just being able to get the the staff on on site uh, you know having trained staff that's able to do it uh, we've, uh, you know, with the, within the NRCS, the, the staff that they've had on hand has, you know, they've all, uh, uh, went up notches, you know, from, from maybe a sole conservationist to, uh, in a, in a county to the district conservationists. And some of those DCs have moved on to the state office. So we're replacing the, the technicians and the SOCONs at the bottom end, just making sure they're ready to hit the ground running and, and, uh, being able to work forward, uh, you know, with uh, and then try to get up some help from the state and the local levels. As you mentioned, trying to do about anything during COVID is a challenge, right? And that includes uh, these projects. You no, know, that's that is that's for sure. Uh, one thing about it, it uh, if you if you're doing your work uh, at the desk and you don't have any interruptions, you're probably getting a lot of a lot of work done. But We've had the opportunity uh, as a conservation district, even in, in my county in South Central Iowa, uh, the fact that we're getting used to do, using the online uh, video conferencing platforms has opened up a, a new uh, aspect of our district, uh, being able to reach out to some of those groups that uh, that 
didn't really understand what conservations could do, why we've been here for so long, and, and what we're doing to help protect the environment. And uh, uh, we've been able to have those uh, those uh, meetings where they can just log on rather than have to plan on driving a driving someplace for a meeting and, and sitting there trying to figure out what everyone's talking about. So I think that's something else that's that's been a plus. Let's talk about the funding issue. Uh, it's always a critical issue. And as I mentioned earlier, there's usually never an amount of funding that you need to really do what you'd like to get done. But how has that been impacted? How much has it been impacted by COVID? And we see budget shortfalls on the state and national level. Well, we're, you know, a lot of our, uh, our funding is based on uh, sales tax revenues, on on different things like that, uh, income that comes to the state, and then those states, the, the states will bring it down into legislative action and funding. Um, we're off, you know, when you have businesses closed and they're not collecting sales tax, you know there's going to be a downturn in, in uh, receipts for the state. So, you know, we're worried that that can directly affect the conservation dollars that we have available to uh, to partner up with with uh, federal partnerships or with any other groups that are out there where uh, you know that might have some funding uh, available and and we're worried about that that we won't have the matching funds uh, that we typically would get from a state or local budget and yeah and you won't know right for a while on that as those numbers continue to come in that's right. Uh, uh, you know, a lot of states are on the, on a, uh, June 30th uh, fiscal year, so there's going to be a lag compared to the to the federal. You know, they they're, they started a couple of days ago, a few days ago, with their new year. So we'll we'll, we'll just kind of work it as we can and and uh, focus our focus our uh, our funds and our TA support where it makes the most uh, you know makes the most sense and and get we get the highest bang for the buck. Uh, one thing that um, that that we're trying to, you know, make the relationship or the, the you know, make our, uh, uh, have our, our, our federal subcommittee to stand, uh, understand that we had, uh, that we testified the other day for is the relationship between dollars and work and, and how, how conservation funding not only helps put people to work by building those structures, but it's helping save money at home for those people that are paying property tax for rip maintenance on bridges and culverts and, and roads that, that we can help protect with uh, conservation measures. So as you said, you have to prioritize. I know you do that anyway, but you have to, I would think, look that even closer if you're going to have fewer dollars to work with. That's uh, that's right, and but we've worked with uh, with uh, farmer rancher partners for a long time, and and uh, uh, the cost share has never I would know wouldn't say that has ever been a fifty fifty relationship, but usually there's a little bit more money put in by the producer, and and some understand the the value of putting it in, even if they've got to come up with a little more money, you know, to uh, uh, you know if we. Sh- the cost share dollars are down a little bit. Uh, they can hopefully pick up the slack, if the, especially if the prices and stuff start going up. Well, we've made tremendous progress in areas of conservation across the country. There's always more to do, obviously. But I, I, the challenge will be not to fall back, right, um, from COVID and the challenges here, if you can you know, at least maintain and hopefully move forward, but it, uh, try not to fall back during this time. Yeah, yeah, falling back is really not the best option. You know, the 
you know, I can really say that uh, the watershed of the Gulf of Mexico starts right outside my kitchen door, you know, and, and uh, you know, anything that I do here on these hills in southern Iowa is going to have a, have a accumulated effect with everybody else that's doing work down downstream, and, and we need to make sure that uh, as we move forward, we're, we're repairing, we're, uh, you know, taking care of the structures that's already out there, and that we're we're adding new uh, new uh, processes and new technologies as they become available to uh, to make it economically more viable for a producer and and continue to protect that that landscape. Well, one thing's for sure: you may have less money to work with, but you won't have less scrutiny of what you're doing. Uh, that that's that's for sure. Yeah, well, there's uh, there's a there's there's lots of help out there. Uh, lots of people pointing out what needs to be done, and and uh, we're trying to take care of it. Before I let you go, uh, what's harvest look like in your part of Iowa? We're kind of in a pretty good spot, I think. Uh, just kind of on the edge of the the driest ground. I uh, just started got started doing some beans last week. Uh, looks like we can really make some headway this week with the weather that we've got coming up. But they're they're doing pretty good. Uh, corn, I think, is going to be pretty good too. Where we missed the big wind, uh, uh, missed the sto- missed the storms, uh, got some big rains when we could have used little ones, but uh, but it was all additive. So I think we're probably in a in a good spot compared to a lot of the state. Well, Tim, thanks for being with us. Have a safe harvest and uh, keep up the good work on the conservation front. Appreciate it. No, all right. Thanks for the opportunity, Mike, and have a great day. All right, take care. That is Tim Palmer from Iowa. He is president of the National Association of Conservation Districts. And as he said, the real challenge was the staffing shortfalls and funding shortfalls during COVID-19. But the conservation work continues. And conservation districts, those local conservation districts around the country, really stepped up to help out while the federal level is still struggling with getting the staffing up to... um, back up to levels where they can fully get out and do the work that needs to be done. It seems like they're always uh, trying to catch up. There's always more to do, but it's been really challenging with these uh, uh, staffing shortfalls. Well, up next, we'll talk more about harvest. We'll talk markets as well. Matt Bennett with agmarket.net joins us next on AOA. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. The good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating. Your kidneys could keep filtering. And your intestines could keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. You can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor, restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant. You're touching whole families with your life-saving gift. Register in minutes. Just go to organdonor.gov. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Sign up today. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. What do Mick Jagger, Barbara Walters, and Star Jones all have in common? They've all suffered from something called heart valve disease. 
Heart valve disease affects 11 million Americans and if left untreated can lead to death. Unfortunately, less than one in four Americans have much knowledge of this disease that kills more than 25,000 people every year. The good news is that if heart valve disease is treated, patients can recover and live long, happy, and productive lives. But in order to treat heart valve disease, you need to know if you have it. If you or your loved ones are over the age of 65, have been treated with radiation to the chest, have been diagnosed with a heart murmur, or have a history of heart disease, it's time to listen to your heart. Ask your doctor today about screening for heart valve disease. A message brought to you by Heart Valve Voice US. For more information about the symptoms and treatment for valve disease, go to heartvalvevoice-us.org. Young farmers don't listen to the radio, right? Wrong. In a recent survey, 74% of young producers said they get their most important agricultural information from their trusted farm radio station. Surprised? Don't be. If you think about it, it makes perfect sense. Radio is the perfect companion because it goes with you everywhere. Whether you're in the shop, on the combine, or in the truck, farm radio is right there with you. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. Adams on Agriculture prides itself on bringing top leaders in the egg industry right to your radio speakers. AOA wants to continue that conversation right to your fingertips. Follow AOA on Twitter at AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams himself at the handle Mike Adams Egg. You will receive real-time highlights of the show and keep up with which convention or industry meeting AOA is attending. That's AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams Egg. We hope to see you online. There's a reason more than a billion feet of ADS farm tile lies beneath America's heartland. It's simple. We build trust. Since 1966, farmers and their families have trusted ADS products to improve yields and create longer growing seasons. From lift stations to water control structures, ADS Agriculture has everything you need for total ag water management solutions. For everyone out there feeding the world, we wish you all a safe and happy harvest. These are the sounds of a dinner. A dinner that almost didn't happen. A dinner now served, thanks to people like you. Due to COVID-19, 17 million more Americans may face hunger. Feeding America is helping our neighbors in need. And if you're able, you can too. Donations are being accepted at feedingamerica.org coronavirus. Brought to you by the Ad Council and Feeding America. 200 Food Bank Strong. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, Brian Jennings, CEO of the American Coalition for Ethanol. Do you feel that the Next Generation Fuels Act could have a, even more of a profound impact on the biofuels industry than the RFS? I do, and it's because it clears all of the market barriers that are out there. The reed vapor pressure stumbling block that we've had in the past. If passed, that barrier goes away. Credits to get the automakers to produce more flexible fuel vehicles restored. Retail compatibility with blends up to E30, taking care of um, a high-octane market, something we've always tried to pursue, and we know that ethanol contains um, really affordable octane. It's just that one piece, making sure that they get the low carbon, really accounting for how uh, ethanol plants um, are low carbon on a facility-by-facility facility basis. That little tweak is made to the bill, and if enacted, it would have a greater positive impact on the rural economy than the RFS. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel, 
With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. And we're joined now by Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. Matt, how much uh, harvest is done in East Central Illinois? You know, I think uh, we're progressing. Uh, there's no question. Uh, it seems like a lot of folks uh, were able to get some of the early stuff out, you know, and then you get into a, a time where uh, maybe some of these beans haven't matured quite evenly and maybe you're uh, hitting up on a little bit of uh, having to wait just a little bit. You know, we had a heck of a frost this morning, so I'm assuming we won't cut a whole lot of beans here for the, uh, today or tomorrow maybe, but probably going to even things up just a little bit, and I think that it's actually going to be good for us as far as harvest uh, moving forward. But a fair amount of corn's already got come out. Uh, but, you know, a lot of this May planted and replanted corn uh, seems to be holding on to some moisture. So um, I think that's going to be maybe a little more elongated than what we originally thought it might be. Yeah, some of these moisture levels I know in Illinois uh, have been kind of slow to come down. What are, what are you hearing on yields? It's a mixed bag, and I would say, you know, Mike, a couple of things jump out to me. Uh, hybrids definitely made a big difference this year as far as some of your uh, – uh, hi- some hybrids seem to handle that uh, August dryness, both on corn and beans, uh, maybe a little bit better than others. I think the fungicide really came up big for a lot of folks. Uh, I know that we had a couple of fields that we were not able to treat with fungicide due to, uh, you know, landlord preference, but uh, uh, where we uh, were able to spray fungicide with the same hybrid, same planting date, you know, we saw a, a pretty big uh, yield jump. And so uh, I think that a couple of things jump out to me. Hybrid and, and management uh, made a big deal this year. Now, a lot of folks are talking about losing nitrogen on corn. Uh, it seems to me like, relatively speaking, maybe folks are a little more uh, impressed with their bean yields right where we're at, uh, you know, than what they are with corn, uh, just based on everything that they knew coming in. They thought maybe beans would get hurt more uh, by the August dryness and the corn was already made. And now they're finding that maybe they lost more nitrogen this spring than what they originally thought. First time I've talked to you since the stocks numbers came out. Uh, what are you thinking uh, now that you've seen those numbers reduced? You know, Mike, we uh, we were actually, my group is the low estimate as far as uh, uh, quarterly stocks were concerned for corn. Uh, with me, I, I thought, you know, we didn't get under $2 billion, so I don't want to pat myself on the back too much here. But, you know, we, we felt pretty strongly that with basis being hot going into harvest in a lot of places, as well as your spreads and carries. I mean, the carry from July, uh, from DSOT to July has been running anywhere from, uh, you know, 16 to 22 cents uh, for the last couple of months. And you would think with a 2.3 carry out projected, as well as a huge crop coming on, that that thing would widen out to 30, 35 cents pretty easily, but it never did. And so we felt pretty strongly based upon everything that we were witnessing uh, with Grain Merchandising 101, for instance, just telling you, hey, you know what, there's not as much corn out here as what the USDA is suggesting. So I was not at all surprised uh, with the numbers that came out uh, with, with corn, maybe a little more surprised with soybeans, but, you know, the trade was certainly surprised, and uh, that was nice to see, especially as we were kind of entering a time whenever the market seemed to be hitting up, up on some, uh, you know, levels that they just couldn't penetrate, you know. And we went back down to support, and fortunately we were able to bounce sharply off of that due to these numbers. I think last time we talked, you didn't – you weren't too – confident of any kind of a market rally uh, harvest rally continuing you thought maybe it'd kind of run its course what are your thinking what are your thoughts now 
Well, I, I think that true harvest is going to be tough to get any sort of a larger scale rally. I think you have to be heavily dependent upon export sales. Uh, but you come in here Friday, and if the USDA would happen to lower yields on corn and beans, then I think uh, you're going to have no uh, reason uh, to do much other than potentially uh, tax them onto the board. Now, uh, you could get a rally on the board, and necessarily cash prices don't have to rally substantially because you could, you could start losing a fair amount in basis. So uh, this report on Friday is going to be very important. It's going to be really interesting to see uh, are, are some of these lower yields that we're hearing going to come to pass, you know. But um, for me personally, I think a producer still needs to be quantifying their situation. If they've got good uh, production, uh, go ahead and sell some across the scale if they can't store it at home. I like storing it at home if we can, but if they have to sell it across the scale, I like keeping ownership. There's some very cheap ways to keep ownership of this. It's much cheaper than commercial storage, and that's kind of the path that I want to go is keep my hands on it. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about that. What are you seeing as far as movement or, or hanging on to it? Yeah, and so, uh, you know, as far as hanging on to the grain, uh, a lot of guys are, you know, going to fill every bin they can, in my opinion. We feel uh, like ownership of corn is probably a pretty good thing to keep, especially, you know, uh, considering USDA is going to have to make some adjustments on uh, uh, these Chinese purchases for both corn and beans. Uh, I think that U.S. exports on corn are going to have to come up, uh, you know, at some point. I think maybe uh, this week is probably going to be the start of that, but uh, I think that keeping ownership of corn is a really good thing to do now. Like I said, this as far as the re-ownership, you know, you go out to July on the simple call spread, you know, and do do one of these uh, 70, 80 cent windows for, oh gosh, you know, under 20 cents, which, you know, a storage out to Gen 1 is going to cost you 21 cents at most places. Plus, if you store, uh, it's going to be a, an extra point of shrink and an extra point of drying. So, uh, you know, what we're seeing uh, is that uh, basis has continued to erode a little bit as the market stayed strong. That's what you would expect to see in a healthy market. Uh, producer needs to pay very close attention to that moving forward because, uh, you know, as we get farther into harvest, I don't expect basis to improve a whole lot, especially if this market rallies. So now we kind of had the holiday in China, kind of a slowdown for their buying. Now we watch closely to see if it picks back up. Yeah, we do. And the interesting thing is that last week they still bought some beans, you know, while they were on holiday. So, you know, we a lot of folks were saying they're not going to buy anything this week. We actually saw a couple, three uh, flash sales come across the wire. So, you know, I expect that uh, you're going to see as they come back from holiday that these uh, are going to continue. Now, you look at the dryness going on in South America, it's certainly something to watch. Forecast looks like Brazil may get some relief, but you're talking about significant issues there in Argentina. So I think uh, on an export front, it's going to be at least uh, late February before South America comes online with much for bean exports. That really bodes well for the U.S. producer. All right, Matt, thanks a lot. Always good to talk with you. Have a safe rest of your harvest. Yeah, thanks for having me, bud. All right, take care. Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. With that, we wrap it up for today. Another week off and running. Thanks for being with us. Have a safe day. Be sure to join us again tomorrow right here on AOA.